Hello, everyone, and welcome to Physio Minds. I'm your host, Alex, and this is my host. Hey, hey guys, it's Theo. And we're back today on Physio Minds. We're talking about clinicals like we said we would. So a little bit about today, we're going to talk about what to expect at your first clinical, how to act, and we'll talk about our rotations that we've been on and we're currently on, and we'll give you some tips and tricks afterwards. So Theo, if you want to take it away, tell us how to act when you're at your first clinical. <laughs> um, the best advice that I got from a CI is don't be a dumbass. So that's number, <laughs> that's number one. Um, that's important. <laughs> that's, that's super important. Um, it, but in general, honestly, the first day is, it's kind of like more procedure. Like you get a tour of the facility. Um, you meet your instructor, you talk about like what your interests are, you know, just kind of like get to know you type thing. Um, you might watch your instructor do an evaluation or treat some patients, uh, you know, see how, um, they do it. Um, and then you can talk about like their expectations of you, um, especially the first rotation, it's not, they don't expect too much of you. You should be able to one, like practice safely, right? So right. whatever you do, don't injure a patient. Um, and you should have like basic skills, like take measurements, strength assessments, things like that. Um, then as you progress throughout the week, like I remember my first week, all I did was like write documentation like i was writing notes became an expert in like documenting yep which was super helpful for the rest of the rotation because then i didn't have to stress about it as much it was kind of like the easy part of the rotation um the the other thing I, i'd highly recommend is just being like very proactive you're a student you're there to learn um don't you know, stay humble, you know, coming out of school, you, you think you're hot shit, but you know, they're doctors, they know more than you. Right. Um, and you know, go to different therapists. Like if you have the opportunity to, uh, like shadow more than one therapist, you know, do that. Everybody treats differently. Everybody like has a different approach. So, um, you're going to get a lot more, uh, by just asking questions and, you know, being curious. Um, yeah, I was going to say, Theo, I 100% I agree with that. I think the first day is, I mean, A, you want to show up early and make sure you know where you're going. Because sometimes if you, I, I remember my first clinical, I, I showed up pretty early, but I wanted to make sure that I was there. They knew who I was. I, I had to meet, I, I got the opportunity to meet most PTs and PTAs and front desk. And then after that, uh, just like you said, take a tour of the facility. They'll show you around. They'll show you the documentation system. Um, they'll show you the break room, obviously, where to put your stuff. And then just observe when you first walk in, see how the PTs and PTAs interact with each other already. Because right off the bat, I can tell, um, I don't know who was a PT or a PTA at first, but once I started to get to know everybody, I can tell the same dynamic that they all had. And they had a really good interaction between each other. I think that's really important to be as a PT. Um, but the first day, like Theo was saying, learn documentation, learn, just basically be a sponge is the best advice. Be a yep. sponge and just try to absorb as much as you can. Get a small notebook. I had a small notebook. I don't know if you did, but I had like a little, 
yeah almost note card size notebook and I just write my stuff down any questions I had anything I could think of at that moment or what yeah. I would do differently during a treatment or I would, I, would even, I, I would even write down like passwords like simple things like that because yeah. you don't want to keep asking your instructor like hey like can you remind me what the password is for WebPT or for the laptop it's like just write it down you know what I mean like have it there yeah um, it's simple stuff like that that'll help you optimize the way that you're going about your day and how you're learning and being with everybody else and like Theo said when you when you come from school and you go out into the real world and you're in that PT setting yes you think you're all that I promise you I promise you I promise you you will get the opportunity to put your hands on a patient but just observe because every CI each PT is different they'll all do their own thing and you do know a lot, but you don't know as much as them. And they have a more realistic expectation of how to go approach a patient. So for example, Theo might think, let's say Theo's my CI and I'm a student. Theo likes to take his subjective while, the, while he's doing some MNTs or at range of motions or whatnot. Other, another CI might like to do the subjective first and then the objective, and then do it in a proper order and not mix those up. And for me, let's say I'm a student, we're taught about, in our school, we're taught 18 steps. So we have those 18 steps and we go through them each and every single one of them. Eventually you'll learn it's a good starting block. It's a good building block for your PT standards, but eventually it will come together with what you really need to do and for your evaluations. I don't know if you disagree or agree with that. No, I, I 100% agree. And I think, honestly, the, the two settings that I've worked in, one of them now is I have 40 minutes to do an evaluation mm -hmm. and, and treat, right? So it's tough. So it's tough to really do spend like 15 minutes on taking a history and then doing all your, all your, all your tests and then discussing with the patient what you found and then also doing some treatment. Like it, it takes... It takes a while. So I initially started history, measurements, mm -hmm. assessment, and then a right now it's kind of become, okay, tell me what happened. Tell me what's going on. And as I go through my assessment, you know, I'm talking about, okay, tell me about your goals, things like that. Like, mm -hmm. what are you still having difficulty with? Um, right. You know, because a lot of the history, and I've noticed this, at least for me, maybe, I don't know if it's like that for everybody else, but a good chunk of my history I spent just talking about like patient goals and you know are you do you have difficulty going up and down stairs you know do you have difficulty reaching the top cabinet it's that and those are all things you don't have to sit in front of your computer and like type you know what I mean like you could just remember okay yeah they have knee pain they're gonna have difficulty going up to, up and down the stairs you know what I mean yeah in order to make goals for that yeah it's, um, it's really important sorry to interrupt but it's really important to uh, remember the, the details that are like just key details for your documentation purposes. Yeah. Everything else will come with it. Trust me. And just like one more thing in terms of like, like subjective taking and history and all that, it's okay to stop what you're doing and write a number down. Right? Like, like it's okay to take a measurement, stop, type it in so you don't forget and then take another measurement because you're going to be dealing with a lot of numbers, a lot of values, like, and you don't want to be like messing that up. Right. 
Right. Yeah. I think, I think recently I did evaluation and I'm looking at a range of motion of like a shoulder or something, let's say. Right. And I'm, I'm like, oh, flexion, extension, abduction, external internal rotation. Is that at neutral? Is that at abduction that they're doing their external internal rotation? So all those things you have to think about, just do four of them, write those numbers down. Even, even if it's on a piece of paper or if you right. need to get them in, like Theo was saying, as long as you get your sequence down and it's efficient for you, Trust me, you will become efficient. It just takes time. And uh, um, I think the, the last point that I kind of want to hit about um, kind of clinical one versus clinical two now. Mm-hmm. Um, clinical one, like really like take your time and like, you know, give the best treatment that you can. And I, I think you're also going to have more time in between patients. So you're going to have time to document. You're going to have time to come up with a plan for your next patient. And really take advantage of that and like utilize that as much as possible. Right. Especially the planning, like you're going to see a shoulder patient. Okay. Like, let me read, let me read up on their eval. Let me read up on what the other therapist has been doing. And let me see, what can I do for this patient? Come up with like four or five exercises, uh, joint uh, mobs, whatever it is. And then go in with a plan, right? Because that's going to help you later on down the road. Like now I'm seeing like the other day I saw 17 patients in a day. Right. And like, I, there's no time to come up with a plan. I basically like, I look at, I, I read like two minutes. That, like if I've never seen that patient before, I'll read like the note, the, uh, the beef, like uh, the eval note, the assessment, the uh, subjective, all that. And then I'll be like, okay, like this is what we have to work on. And then I go and do it. But there's really no time to come up. Okay. Let me sit down and think about like three or four exercises like that. That just not realistic. You know, honestly, it's, it's quick in the clinic, 40 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, whatever you have, at least with an hour evaluation or treatment, you have some time to think about it. Even if you web login prior, um, I, I just, I'm, I don't know about you. I don't know if you prepare your patients. You, you have more patients than I do, I think, at the moment. Uh, you see 17 in 12 hours, right? Because you have 12. Yeah, so that's a little bit different than me. Um, usually we see about 11 or 12 patients in eight hours, eight to nine hours. Right. It just depends on the clinic where you're at. My first one, I was doing 12 hours, and we were doing probably close to 17-ish patients a day. Depending yeah. on if we had doubles or evals or what was going on. And for me, as a for me, as my first clinical, I was really overwhelmed because I was like, holy moly, what do I do? And I'm like, there's a lot coming at me. It's coming at me fast. I have to think on my feet. I have to be on my toes like all the time. I was asked questions on the spot. And I I like that. Personally, I like that. I like when they ask me, hey, what do you think is the proper way to do this next? Or what do you think? in your mind, write down a treatment on your notepad, and then we'll compare yours versus mine just to see if we're going in the right. And I don't, I don't want inter- to interrupt, but uh, like, it's also like great because when they ask you these questions, you, you like, you're able to think it through and there's really no necessarily wrong. There, okay. I don't want to say there's no wrong answer, but there's <laughs> multiple right answers, right? Yeah. And the answer is always, it depends, right? And if your reasoning you know, matches your treatment and you have like a thought process behind it, then, you know, go for it. Right. Like mm-hmm. if it make, if your thought process makes sense, go for it, you know? 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If your reasoning makes sense and your thought process makes sense for how you're treating the patient or how you're evaluating them, 100% you're, you're going to be okay. And yep. you know what? I might treat a shoulder patient a little bit differently than Theo. And I might treat an ankle very similar to Theo, but he might like some other exercises that I don't like. doesn't mean that our patient is not going to get better. It just means that we have a little bit of different ideas of how to get them there. Right. So I'm going to go over a little bit more about uh, some tips and tricks while you're with your CI or while you're at your first or second clinical. So a few things that I like to do either after an evaluation or at the end of the day or at the end of the week is I always ask for feedback. I always go to my CI, I go, how did I do and what can I do better? Even if I know I did it flawlessly. Oh, well, I think I did it flawlessly, right? <laughs> and, but it's always a good question to ask because at the end of the day, they will see things that you don't see. So maybe, maybe I asked a question, an open-ended question that led to a conversation for five to 10 minutes when I could have shortened that to two or three and yes or no answers. So it just depends. And um, I don't know about you, Theo, but I also like to practice my skills on other PTs or PTAs. And I ask them to do it on me that way because they know different things that I don't know. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. um, Guys, I agree with all that. I, I practice every time we have downtime, which is not very often. Um, but when we do, we're, we're constantly practicing skills. Um, I ask, hey, like, you know, a good mobilization for, you know, this capsule, this this stretch, you know, to improve this range of motion. You know, and, you know, we think about it, they, we kind of throw uh, different techniques back and forth, different exercises mm-hmm. and, you know, and that, and I think that makes, you know, a world of difference, right? Because at that point, you're thinking about your patient that's coming in next, that you don't know what to do for this intervention, then you just, someone has the answer, right? Someone in that room has to have the answer. Oh, 100%. You know, so it's, it's really helpful to, you know, getting like best outcomes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the good thing about working closely with PTAs, PTs, or even OTs, if you have them in your clinic, or even physicians, because my first clinical, I had orthopedic surgeons right underneath me performing surgery for shoulders, knees, hips, ankles, you name it, elbows. And the best thing is I could go and ask my CI, and we can go together and ask another um, physician. Or if I wanted to, I can knock on the door of the OT say, hey, so-and-so, I would really like to know more about the anatomy of the wrist and how you treat it because it might be differently than what I learned. And so that's, that's, that's the cool thing about being in a setting where everyone's approachable. And I don't know, I have not been in a setting where it's been difficult to approach other PTs and PTAs or OTs or front office, but I think overall, they know you're, they know you're a student, they know you're learning. They know you're not there to ruin anything or destroy any equipment, right? <laughs> We're just there to learn. And at the end of the day, they're, they're happy to help. Right. hundred percent. I think it's, you know, in, in being able to communicate with orth- orthopedic surgeons and, um, you know, chiropractors, um, mm-hmm. occupational therapists, um, whatever it is, physician, anything, right. Personal trainers, like, you know, 
you're, the, it's a whole team approach to patient care too. So I have the opportunity to work with personal trainers, athletic trainers. So I'm constantly, uh, chiropractors, I'm constantly emailing or, or on the phone with them. Like, hey, like, what have you been working on with this patient? You know, these are my findings, like kind of extending like, hey, like you want to share your findings so we can kind of like, you know, give them the best, um, you know, outcomes. And then with personal training too, you know, just kind of like, hey, like, the patient is towards the end of the care, right? For physical therapy, like let's mm-hmm. transition them into a wellness program, right? With personal training, like let's let's work on it together. You know, avoid these motions, right? Because they could injure the patient, but you could do everything else type thing, you know? Right. Um, and I, I think just having that available is huge. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, I know we've been talking about clinicals and what we're good at and, we're amazing and we can't be touched, (laughs) but with a lot of, with a lot of us being confident in what we do. And the reason why we're confident is because we've made mistakes in the past Oh yeah, in the clinic or definitely in school where you don't get it the first try. I'm not going to lie. When I, when we perform thrust manipulations on each other, when we first tried them, you're not going to, sometimes you don't get a crack. And sometimes it's not that satisfying feeling that you get (laughs) (laughs) or like even, even performing just a regular manipulation that doesn't have to be a grade one, grade two is my force in the right direction or whatnot. Um, But let's talk about that. Let's talk about some lessons that we learned in the clinic or something that I got, I got a few of those actually, I got a few of those recently, actually. Um, let us know. I had one. And and some of it is not even like your skills can be great. You know, you can do all the research to prepare. So let me let me just get into it. Honestly, I had this one patient last or the last week, two weeks ago. Um, she had suffered a concussion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I have never done an Yvonne concussion. Like I spent, I think, like two and a half hours. I went early, like two hours. Um researched watched the i rewatched lectures uh outcome measures i was you know i was getting ready okay i'm gonna test this this and this i'm looking for like what uh um what type of concussion is it you know what i mean like what uh, where does it fall under you know i was being extra whatever um and then i i come the patient sits down first question tell me what happened like tell me a little bit about what happened how you got this concussion which isn't it's a good question, right? Like it's open-ended. The patient's able to like, you know, tell you her whole situation. The mistake was I did not read her chart. Okay. So I'm a moral of the story, read the chart because what happened is she was basically assaulted and she was hit in the head and that's, it triggered her PTSD at the start of the eval. And then you know, she had, you know, with concussions, you have that emotional, um, like liability. So, you know, she just basically, you know, started crying and all these things that she was telling us her story. Um, and regardless if that information is helpful to me or not, um, one, it was not helpful for the patient, right? I triggered her and I was not able to get through the eval. I was not able to test everything that I prepared to test because the whole time it was just based education, on concussions, console, uh, consoling the patient, um, you know, and I just felt like shit. Luckily, my instructor was there, you know, and she was, you know, really great with everything, you know, like I felt she was like 
eye contact with the patient, grabbing the tissues, like getting the water. Like it looked like she was like moving at like super fast, but also staying at the same spot. It was, she yeah. was great. And like, since then I have made it a point to read every single chart. <laughs> right. It's important. I am not making that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's funny when we look at it now, at least for me, it is, but it, it really is important for us to hone in on the important things and read those charts. Like you said, look at what really happened and because it could trigger somebody and it could end up being just a session of the patient being uh, consoled to make sure that they're, they're okay. Cause at right. the end of the day, if they, if they were assaulted or if it was a motor vehicle accident that they had trauma with or whether they have depression and whatnot, you just never know. You never know. Right. So you, you want to make sure you, you read the chart like Theo said. Um, I'm trying to think of a few things that I've done in the clinic. It's okay, um, bro. We know you're perfect. You don't make mistakes. <laughs> you got it. No, there was, there was one patient where, so as much knowledge as we get in school, it's almost impossible to spit out as much knowledge as we can. So I'll, I'll explain this. I had a patient. They came in. They, they had a, a foot injury. And I'm explaining the, the pathology behind it, why may it occur, where, where the tendons and where the fascia runs and what's going on in particular regions and how they walk. And this is my, one of my evaluations. I was about four weeks into my six week clinical on my first clinic. And uh, I'm giving as much education as I can to our patient. And I'm thinking, I think I'm doing a great job. Like, honestly, I thought I was doing fantastic. I was like, oh, this is good. I'm giving exercises. I'm showing other ways to do them if, if they were, if she was in pain. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the session, she looks at me and she goes, thank you so much for the session. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back whatever, two, three times a week for six weeks or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, it turns out when she was making her appointment, she goes, she does, she told the front office desk that they didn't want to work with a student, which for me, that was my first patient that ever said, I don't want to work with a student. And I was pretty upset. I thought I did something wrong. I felt really bad. I went home that day, like really frustrated and upset. And I was like, what did I do wrong? Why didn't that patient want to work with me? Uh -huh. Turns out later on, um, I'm talking with my CI and it, it happens. It happens where an individual only has a certain knowledge threshold. And I reached my knowledge threshold and my CI was able to articulate what I wanted to, wanted to say in a better manner. And that just comes with time. And that comes with teaching the, the material and teaching the pathologies and whatnot. But to me, I'm like, oh my God, I, I did something so wrong and I didn't do it right. And I'm, I'm gonna be a horrible PT, but no, at the end of the day, it's just, People are particular. They're paying for a service or a product to be with the PT. And at the end of the day, she wanted to be with a, a licensed doctor. And that's all it was. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would see this patient come in and out. Hey, how are you? I, would, I wouldn't say anything bad. I would say, hey, how are you? Goodbye. Have a good day. Eventually, three, three visits down, she comes up to me. And actually, she comes up to my CI and says, you know, I would really like to start working with him again. And my CI goes, okay, sounds good. At the end of the day, my CI just kept her just to make sure it's taken care of and 
it made me feel better. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to work with you after you just rubbed it in my face, like saying, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. And then you see me working with another patient. And you're like, oh, yeah, I like what he's doing now. Like, what's what's that? You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it happens, though. So don't be discouraged when you have patients that may not want to work with you. It, it happens. They just don't want to. They may not, they might not feel comfortable. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a bad PT. You're learning. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn from the mistakes. And even honestly, just PTs in general, like you, you, you might just not be someone's cup of tea. You know what I mean? And they, you, yeah. they might respond better to another PT. And that doesn't mean that PT is better. doesn't mean it's worse. It's just, you know, I think, Hey, just having that report with the patient, you know, goes goes a long way and someone might just have a better report improves patient care it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day it's the patient getting better you know what i mean yeah so yeah honestly i i have to say that was that has taken me back and there's another patient recently that didn't want to work with me because they're sore because they were sore the next day after i had told them they will probably be sore the next day you you you're too hard on them bro <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget i mean some of these patients though they they come into pt saying ouch i'm hurting and it's like okay let's reduce the pain let's have you do some stretches let's have you do mm-hmm. some simple exercises but you don't realize that some of these people have not moved in that direction or have moved these muscles or joints in those ways probably in months years maybe years the chronic pain exactly tens of years if it's been chronic like you don't know so at you just have to take everything with a grain of salt because at the end of the day like we said you're learning you're going to be fine just keep doing you and if you have any questions for your ci your ci will more than likely help you throughout with with what's going on right i mean we can sit here and talk about this all day honestly mistakes made lessons learned all that um i know i got a few stories but um just for the sake of time let's let's cut it um let's cut it today um next episode we're going to be talking with uh, some lovely uh, occupational therapy students um we're going to be learning what that's all about um so stay tuned Yeah, guys, stay tuned for the next episode. Our next episode, like Theo said, is going to be what is a PT and what is an OT? And you're going to find out the differences and what we do versus what they do. And especially with schooling and where where we lie with that. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Stay tuned for next episode. And thank you, guys. We appreciate it.